Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. It's so easy to sit behind your computer screen and just type off a all caps angry email um, or a nasty tweet or a, a, you know, disparage someone in a Facebook group, that's really easy to do because you're hiding behind your computer screen and, um, and it's somewhat easy to forget that there's an actual human being on the other end of that and who's reading that and experiencing that. And we are definitely moving toward a, a intrinsic reminder that we're all humans. Um, you know, I, I go to the grocery store and I see people waiting in line for the cashier instead of using the self-checkout. Um, like self-checkouts, I mean, they're still busy, but people would rather have that interaction with the cashier than use the self-checkout. Um, maybe because the self-checkout technology sucks sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, I... I, I really think there's something to, yes, uh, in the world of software, we talk about automating everything and how is it going to scale and doing scalable things uh, to grow a business. But sometimes the most impactful thing that you can do might not scale at all and it might not be able to be automated um, or you can only automate so much of it before a, a real human being has to get involved. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Val, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So you are one of a long line of incredible people that has been referred to us by our mutual friend and former podcast guest, Sarah Peck. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I expect nothing but amazing from you, no pressure at all. But before we get into everything that your work is about, I would like to start by asking you, where in the world did you grow up and what impact did where you grew up end up having on the choices that you've made with your life and your career? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think a lot about our foundational years, uh, especially as the mother of small children. Now I think about, you know, what kind of people they will become based on who they interact with and how we raise them. And yeah, even where they grow up. Um, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and have been essentially a Midwest um, I don't know, Pittsburgh, I, I live in Ohio now and Pittsburgh and Ohio. And, uh, as a kid, we lived in Michigan and I'd say the farthest, uh, Midwest place we lived was St. Louis. Um, mm-hmm. and we lived in each of those cities for a couple of years. Uh, my dad was a salesman and we just moved around a lot as kids. We moved to Ohio when I was eight and that this region, this like, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio region, it kind of, are we Midwest? Are we East coast? We don't know. Um, and, but I definitely consider myself to be a Midwesterner, um, as Ohio's more far, firmly in that camp. Um, and it's really mid the Midwest, uh, and specifically central Ohio is really centered around, uh, family and, um, football, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, just ways that we can, express ourselves and, um, extracurriculars are huge growing up in this, this part of the world. Um, so like kids, even when I was a kid, I mean, kids now are in like a activity a day, I think. Um, but you know, even when I was a kid, it was, we were in marching band and theater and, um, and sports teams. And in the summer we played on rec sports. And, um, so it was really just about, being involved and finding ways to support each other and going to the Friday night football games and um, like Friday night lights is really kind of how I grew up. Um, Very, very similar upbringing, at least in the high school years. So that has a, a pretty close tie to maybe not the work that I do, but I would say it does to my work. Um, 
everything that I try to do both as an individual and in my work is to bring the human element back to communication and the way we interact with one another. Um, and I think that, you know, I've never really thought through that before of how my upbringing has led me to, to that, but having the, the community focus, the, um, the traditions that we would have, um, you know, uh, as a family or as a community, um, all of that was very much a part of me. And I don't think that I could do, uh, do what I do without having that foundation of people connecting with one another, building relationships, um, and, and building that trust and support for one another in a long-term capacity. Um, but also having like a, a wide variety of that. So I didn't grow up in a very small town where maybe you only have like, you know, a handful of people that you have those relationships with. Um, but for us, it was really about the whole community. And, you know, my parents were friends with every single person at church. It felt like, um, we would be saying goodbye to people as this next service would start. Like it was that, that long goodbye, um, that, that was very much a part of my life. And I think that that has influenced what I do today and the way that I build relationships today too. Mm, wow. So your dad being a salesperson, uh, what did that teach you about human behavior and communication? Oh gosh. Um, so my dad sell, or he's retired now. He sold in the food industry. So mostly like to grocery stores. Um, and so like frozen food and sometimes, um, boxed or canned goods. Um, and depending on the brand he worked for, we went around with him as kids. I remember, um, calling on stores is what it was referred to. And we would go to the grocery stores and, um, pull all of the products. Like he taught us how to, um, shelve the products. So we would go to wherever, whatever brand he was working for at the time and pull all the products to the front or, uh, you know, make sure that they were very presentably arranged, uh, in, in the store. And then, uh, us kids would kind of, you know, mess around in the aisles and he would go talk to a employee about, you know, making sure that the, the product was front and center. And if it was on a bottom shelf or a top shelf, he would talk to a manager about how to get it onto like the eye level shelves. Those are crucial in food sales. And I think that growing up around that and seeing the way he would, uh, talk to the employees and then talk to the managers and just, you know, they're people. And, um, my dad always had a handful of, uh, product coupons in his pocket. Um, and so, you know, as a, a brand representative, he would have like a free box of Aldo Paso taco shells or something. Uh, and he would, um, hand those out to people in the grocery store and just the, the friendliness of it all. And that, you know, for him, sales wasn't about a hard sell or um, following a particular guidebook. Uh, I think he, I remember seeing like the, what is that? The seven habits of highly successful people. Is that the name of the, uh, yeah, he had like the highly effective. Yeah. Yeah. yeah highly effective. Yeah. Um, he, he had like the tapes, the cassette tapes. Um, and I remember seeing those in his office, but I don't know that I ever heard them played. You know, he didn't really follow the, the playbooks per se. Um, he just built relationships and his father was a salesman and, uh, his grandfather owned a grocery store and from, for generations, they've been generations of relationship people and, um, we're Italian. So, you know, it, Italian, uh, culture is about relationships and, and people. So, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily about like, Hey, you know, uh, per our contract, we have a deal for this shelf height and, you know, we need to be making sure that we're on that height. It was more of like a conversation with the managers and the employees of what, how, what can we do to ensure that these products are the products people choose more often than anything else. And, um, you know, what, what do your customers need and, and how are you responding to your customers and how can we as a brand meet you somewhere along there to support that? 
Um, that's really what sales was to him was about the relationships and then ultimately what the customers need. Mm, wow. So you said that you were Italian. Were your parents uh, first-generation immigrants or were your grandparents immigrants? My grandparents were as children. Uh, so they um, they both were, you know, five, six years old when their parents came over. So both of their parents, my great-grandparents, um, spoke like, you know, very little English and opened grocery stores in Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, my grandmother grew up, grew up, uh, her, her mother died when she was young. And so she was kind of the mom of the household. And then she, when she and my grandfather got married, they lived in the house next to my papa, my great grandpa. Um, and so a very, very close knit family, you know, living house next to each other and taking care of, she took care of her husband and her dad at the same time. Um, and her little siblings and, uh, very, very maternal, um, and, and caretakery. Um, and she still is, I mean, she's the busiest 80 something year old that I know. Um, always, I think she bakes like four cakes a week for just to have in case somebody comes over. Um, so yeah, she, uh, there's very much that, uh, deep Italian lineage in our family. And, uh, even in some of the traditions that we have as a family, um, that was my dad's side. My mom's side is Norwegian. So that's like a whole other <laughs> personality type, but still kind of related. So have you preserved aspects of your culture across, uh, multiple generations? And I, I always wonder this because having grown up, uh, as an Indian American, I can see certain things already fading, uh, mm -hmm. from the things that my parents have passed on. Like I'm pretty sure that religion is not going to be part of the way I uh, raise my kids or have, you know, my family. Not that I, I have any issues with people who are religious. It's just not for me. Yeah. Uh, and that's one thing. And, but that's one thing, you know, and then I also realized that slowly we're going to lose language. So I've seen friends mm -hmm. who, when they don't marry Indian people, that's one of the first things that's going to go because they're not speaking in the native language to their kids. So I wonder, how have you preserved aspects of, of culture and heritage uh, across generations? Yeah. Which ones have been worth preserving? So the language thing is interesting. Um, you know, in our, in, in the United States, a huge push in the school system is at least when I was growing up and, and when my parents were growing up was Spanish. Um, I think that's changing now. I'm not sure what the predominant choice is for languages. Um, but I know that when I was in school, Spanish was like the language class that everyone wanted to take. It was kind of seen as the next most universal language. Um, and so I took Spanish in high school, mostly because it felt like it closely related to Italian. Um, and then when I went to college, I went to school for theater production and, uh, and I did a lot of opera. And so in that I wanted to learn Italian, um, mo both from my heritage standpoint, and then also like a lot of opera is in Italian. So I wanted to to know it. And I found that Spanish was so closely related that it got me in trouble in Italian class a lot because the, there are similar words that have completely different meanings um, from Spanish to Italian. So uh, I know my, my papa, my great grandpa, um, you know, mostly spoke Italian in the home. My grandma um, and my grandpa didn't speak Italian at all. Uh, I mean, they did with their, their father, but they didn't with their children. My dad knows a few words in Italian. I have, uh, <laughs> I have an uncle Nunzio, which is like such an Italian name. I just love saying his name. Uh, and Nunz, uh, speaks fluent Italian and he will often speak Italian to my father who my dad can understand a lot of it, but, um, doesn't really speak it himself. Uh, he was another one who took Spanish and now his brain's a little mumbled between the two. I feel like I have a strong interest in Italian. Those were the operas I was always drawn to was the Italian language. I think it's such a beautiful language. Um, outside of the language itself, we do a lot with, with our kids as they're, especially as they're getting older. Um, in, in my household, we make our own pasta a lot. Um, we cook sauce from scratch. Uh, some of those things that I, the, there's a little bit of an Italian mindset of like, why would I buy that when I can just make it um, and and make it better? And we definitely have that in our household still. So 
I don't know that it's so much um, specifics like language or traditions. Um, for instance, a the predominant religion in Italy is Catholicism. My grandparents were Catholic. Um, my father was raised Catholic. But when he married my mom, he um, my mom was Norwegian, and their predominant religion is Lutheran. And uh, Lutherans, ref, you know, you hear this re- reference of Lutheran is Catholic light. Um, it's like Catholic without all the confession. Uh, and so the, um, my dad's choice was to become Lutheran instead of having my mom become Catholic. Um, and so I was raised Lutheran, but I do still feel a lot of connection to religion and to some of the aspects of Catholicism. Um, in fact, my preschooler is at a Catholic preschool right now. Um, not because we go to that church, but, um, because it's for a lot of reasons, but, um, it's also nice for her to experience that, that aspect of her heritage as a great grandchild of this Italian lineage. Um, so mostly in our house, it's making pasta from scratch and sauce, um, (laughs) whenever we do pasta night. (laughs) So you mentioned that you uh, studied theater production. And I, I wonder how in the world do you get from theater production to the work that you're doing today? And what are the things that theater production taught you about the things that you're doing today? Yeah, just this morning, I was um, like changing out text inside of some HTML code on a button. And I was like, oh, man, theater Val would have never like she'd be so impressed to know that I can do that. And I mean, to someone who codes professionally, that's very um, that's very small pickings. But um, to be a theater kid and then to be working with software companies now is is quite a jump. Um But at the same time, it's really not because theater is really about that relationship aspect. I think it's, um, you know, it's been ingrained in me as a, as a kid. And now in the work that I do today, everything is about the way that we communicate and, uh, and it's even more so important today now that communication has become, um, so technological and we have less and less in-person experiences with each other. And I feel like there's a, we're starting to reach a tipping point where people are going more towards that in-person experience and wanting human connection. Um, and I'm really excited to see how that evolves, but right Mm -hmm. now it's, it's very technologically based and, um, the, the element of having those relationships and, um, building connections with people quickly is something that I learned as a theater professional. And it might not make sense, um, you know, to, to hear that right off the bat, but if you, if you know the way theater works and I have actually found a lot of people, um, in, especially in kind of the tech world have a theater background in some capacity. Um, it's pretty interesting. I know a lot of engineers and, Um, marketers who have a theater background. And what's fascinating to me is the, the, the way that theater operates, at least professionally. um, And even when I was in school for it, um, you do a new production essentially every month. And professionally, I moved from city to city every month. I was uh, a, a a professional homeless person, um, where like my address was my parents' house because I didn't have an address. Um, I lived in whatever extended stay hotel or, um, it was an Airbnb at the time, but you know, like rented out apartment or house that the company provided. And, um, and you go into a new city. So I would show up in Charlotte, North Carolina and, have a new production of a show I either had done before or never done before, um, a whole new cast. Maybe I knew a person or two in the cast or on the crew. Um, if I'd worked in that particular theater before, that's great. But essentially you're starting all new relationships. Um, and you have a month, you have a month to, you have three weeks to rehearse the show and get it all put together. You have a week to perform it and then you're gone. You're moving on to the next city. And if you don't learn to develop relationships in a quick way, um, so quickly, and then also getting some kind of 
closeness in that small amount of time. If you don't learn to do that, you basically just work and go home and you don't really have that human connection with other people. And, um, and so I learned to be able to make friends really fast. Um, there is a level where it's kind of surface because you only have a month together. You don't have a lot of time to dig in deep with those relationships. Um, but if you, you know, if you end up on a couple of shows together over the course of a year, you might get a little deeper with someone. Um, and I think that that has been really valuable for me in the work I do, especially when it comes to, uh, writing onboarding emails is it's all about developing a relationship quickly and, uh, and building that bond and that trust, uh, with another person in a very short amount of time. And in the software world, it's honestly like under a month, it's somewhere between a free trial and software could be anywhere from 14 days to 30 days. Um, so I feel like that skill that I learned as a theater professional really comes in handy, um, in my work every day. And, and there's like a number of other things that I learned in theater that I use every day. I mean, I think a lot, like sometimes I'll, I think about the future of college and like, are my kids going to go to college? And, and sometimes if I'm in the wrong mood, I think, well, I don't use my degree and that was pointless. And what, every time I pay my, paid my student loan bills, I would think this is a ridiculous waste of money because I don't use it. But when I really think about it, I actually do use it every single day. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Well, let's do this. I, I think that now I want to really get into the sort of the meat of your work, which uh, in my mind is about, like you said, bringing humanity back to our, our communication. But uh, I want to talk briefly about something that you said uh, before that. You said that, you know, more and more we're gravitating towards hopefully in-person connection more than we are online connection, because I think that somehow over the last 10 years, uh, like communicating or community online has transcended communicating in person almost to a fault. And I think largely to our detriment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember one of my friends asked me to just do a quick audit to compare the amount of time that I spent communicating with people online versus the amount of time that I had communicated with people in person. And I was horrified. Yeah. Uh, at that, to, to look at that. Granted, you know, on, online you're communicating with thousands of people at scale. One-on-one is different, but I, I think that we really, really need community in a way that we've never needed it before. Yeah, I mean, look at the amount of co-working spaces that have seen huge success and are continuing to open. I mean, I live in a pretty big city. I mean, it's not New York; it's Columbus, Ohio. It's the middle of heartland of Ohio, but, um, we have a decent sized city. Um, and we have like 20 plus co-working spaces that are all full. Um, people want to be together and well, I, I am, I am definitely pro the internet and technology. I think it has a lot of benefits. There are definite drawbacks as well. Um, and one of them is that it does separate us a benefit is that it allows us to have, you know, our, we can work remotely, we can communicate asynchronously, we can reach people in other parts of the world that we never reached before. I mean, I'm honestly like amazed every time I FaceTime with someone, it's like, this is, we live in the future. We are, this is the Jetsons. It's just not flying cars. It just ended up being something else. Um, but you know, even having this conversation with you, like, we're not sitting in the same room doing this. And it's, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm old enough that I, uh, I can say this is actually amazing. It's not something I take for granted. Um, and coffee shops are full every single day with people who are just want to like work around other people. Um, and co-working spaces are packed and we work as raising billions of dollars and the wing is taking off in all kinds of new cities and people want community and they want to be together. And even if it is, uh, you know, sitting in a room with other people with your headphones on, you're just physically around other people. And that changes your dynamic on, and the way that you think about, about communication and about the way, you know, it reminds you, it puts the humanity back in. It's so easy to sit behind your computer screen and just, type off a all caps, angry email, um, or a nasty tweet or a, a, you know, disparage someone in a Facebook group. That's really easy to do because you're hiding behind your computer screen. And, um, and it's somewhat easy to forget that there's an actual human being on the other end of that and who's reading that and experiencing that. And we are definitely moving toward a, an intrinsic reminder that we're all humans. Um, you know, I, I go to the grocery store and I see people waiting in line for the cashier instead of using the self-checkout, um, like self-checkouts. I mean, they're still busy, but people would rather have that interaction with the cashier than use the self-checkout. Um, maybe because the self-checkout technology sucks sometimes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I, I really think there's something to, yes, uh, in the world of software, we talk about automating everything and how is it going to scale and doing scalable things uh, to grow a business. But sometimes the most impactful thing that you can do might not scale at all and it might not be able to be automated. Um, or you can only automate so much of it before a, a real human being has to get involved. Well, I think that makes a really perfect segue to talking about this entire idea of bringing the humanity back to our communication, particularly in a digital world. Like I said, I think when, when we were talking before we hit record that in my mind, email is the backdrop of your work, but really what it's about is human behavior and connection. So 
what is the key to that? How is it that we're able to build relationships quickly uh, online? And how do we do it in a way that feels human, real, and, and really authentic? It's, it's as simple as thinking about how you interact with people in real life. Um, and, and this is where, if you don't have enough of those in real life interactions, if you don't spend FaceTime with people, it's, that's where you start to get formulaic. Um, you know, going back to the, when you asked me about my childhood and and my dad, um, had I just sat in his office and heard him do sales calls and, uh, and meetings about numbers, I maybe would have learned that's what sales is about. But I went to the stores with him. I talked to people with him and I learned that that all, that's the foundation. That's what he brought back to the office. That's what he, um, you know, took into his sales meetings was the way he interacted with people face-to-face in the stores. And it's truly about providing value. Um, and I know that that term gets thrown around a lot, um, in, especially in the marketing space and, and the business building space. But really, providing value is, is what we do with other human beings. I mean, I think about my personal friendships and I... I want to be of value to them. Um, they don't just exist as my friends to serve me. Uh, I want to give something back to them. And, and I recognize that a friendship is a give and take. Um, and, you know, I do those things to continue to provide value in my personal relationships. And that directly translates into the way that I communicate with my online community. Um, I, I am a real person with, um, things of value to provide to people and, um, and also questions to ask, you know, so I don't pretend to have all the answers. I ask questions a lot. I ask questions in my personal relationships and in my professional ones. Um, and I'm constantly iterating and sharing what I learned from that. And to me, that's what is missing in communication, especially in the, in, in the software product space. Um, so that, that point of, um, instead of just saying, here's our, here's this software we built for you. Isn't it amazing? Look at all these features here. Let me throw another feature at you and another one and another one. And isn't it great? Um, in, instead of communicating like that in emails and, and messaging, um, figuring out what your customers need, um, what they want and, uh, and turning around and providing that, um, even if it's not about features inside of your product, but how can you provide that thing for them, um, through, uh, through whatever you offer, whether it's a, an actual product or, um, maybe you're just providing an answer to a question inside the body of an email, or maybe you build that out into a, a online course that they can go through or an ebook that they can download. Um, there's millions of ways to provide value, a podcast that they can listen to, um, you know, providing that value so that they trust you and believe in you so that when you say, Hey, I have a solution for this problem you have. And it's this particular, um, software that I built for you. Um, they go, Oh, cool. You've already provided so much value to me. I am positive that this will be valuable too. Um, so it's, it's leading with what the customer needs. You know, um, my dad asked the, the store people, what do their customers need? Um, what are people shopping for? how are they combining products together? What do receipts look like? Um, you know, how can we provide the best possible service for your customers so that you're winning as, as the grocery store in town? Um, and, and we want to partner with you to do that. Um, and that's, that's what is needed in the online space. Um, and again, if you're not having those, real life interactions, uh, it's really hard to replicate something that you don't have, um, already. So. 
Wow. So I, I know that one of the things that uh, you've mentioned even on, on your webpage is being sort of uh, data-driven. Uh, mm. So two questions come from that. One is, is, how do you figure out what people need or what would be of value to them? And then how do you discern between data points where, you know, in some cases you get false positives or, or things that people say they're interested in, but probably aren't. Uh, how do you distinguish what's worth listening to and what's not? And how do you determine what is actually of value? Yeah, there's two types of data. There's qualitative and quantitative. So quantitative data is the clicks on the website, the um, the actions they take in your app, uh, what they're what you can tell on paper that they are doing. That's quantitative. Qualitative data is when someone's telling you something and it needs to be interpreted a little bit. And uh, you absolutely need both in order to make smart decisions about your business and about the the next steps and the way you communicate with people. Um, mm-hmm. If you're only going off of quantitative data, the, the clicks and things, you might... Um, you might send a message around a particular feature that maybe they're not using. Um, and it falls on deaf ears because it's a feature that, um, that they just don't need in their business. Um, and you only know that through qualitative research. Um, and obviously qualitative is harder because it requires some kind of, um, you know, a, a knowingness in analyzing the responses. Um, I, I know I said that I don't really use like a lot of frameworks and things, but I do think there are times where frameworks come in handy. And one that I lean on uh, pretty heavily is a framework called jobs to be done. Mm -hmm. And the reason I love jobs to be done is, um, because it, it connects so well with human needs. Um, so the idea behind it is that everyone has a job to be done by a particular product that we quote hire. Um, so I hire my morning cup of tea to help me wake up and, uh, get me, get my brain going a little bit. Um, and my afternoon cup of tea for the same thing. Um, I, and I, of reference I use a lot is, you know, you don't actually hire a house cleaning service for a clean house. Like that's an end result. Of course, that's kind of a given. If I hire a house cleaning service, it's because I want a clean house. Um, But the deeper reason for hiring a house cleaner is because I value my time differently. I don't want to spend my time, the hour and a half, two hours, whatever it takes to clean the house. Um, I don't want to spend my time doing that. I want to spend it with my friends or my family or working on my business. Or maybe I realize that um, my hourly rate is greater than the rate that it costs me to outsource that. So I, I do that, the give and take there. And if a house cleaning company knows that about me and the majority of their customers, then they can speak to that in their marketing and they can speak to that in the emails that they send when I'm getting ready to renew my service every month and, you know, looking at my income statements and my bills and thinking, oh, do I want to spend a hundred bucks on this again this month? If I get a communication from the company about, you know, the the value that's being provided beyond, yes, of course, you're going to clean my house. Um, and it's great that you use vinegar-based products. That's all features. Um, what's the benefit to me? And and knowing that, that that's what it is to me um, as a entrepreneurial working mom, um, that, you know, I have certain needs that if you're a house cleaning service, but actually you, you do a lot of businesses, um, those businesses have a different need. And, um, or if you have a, a large population of your audience is retirees, they have a different need, right? That's, that's maybe a physical need versus a time need. Um, so just knowing your audience and you can only do that through talking to people. Um, and this is where that human element is so important, right? You cannot find out qualitative data without actually talking to people. 
it, it, you know, as I, as I was listening to you say that, I was thinking about the fact that we've been revamping the copy uh, for one of our sales pages for a product we have called Distraction Mastery, which is about eliminating distractions. And I was with a, a friend who was doing some executive coaching work with me. He said, nobody wants to eliminate distractions. What they want is the person that they're going to become after yeah. they do that. Yeah. And that just kind of, it, when I, when we, that was the first thing he noticed when he looked at the copy. He said, if you tell somebody they're going to be a person who, you know, has less distraction, great. That's nice. But if you tell them they're going to be able to accomplish a bunch of things that are really meaningful to them, that paints a very different picture of the value. Right. And are people even calling it distractions, you know, um, or do they use different words around it? Um, and, and you can't get to those words unless you talk to people and knowing those exact words that your customers are using, your ideal customers are using and being able to parrot them back to them and to use those words to show them. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been saying for the last two years. Like, why is this thing not getting traction? Why is this sales page not working? I, I've been saying the same thing and, and I know it matters, um, but if you t- dig in with your customers and and talk to them and and start using the words that they use, um, you know they'll hear it differently, and you'll be surprised. You'll think I've been saying that's exactly what I've been saying for two years, um, but they just they didn't hear it the way that you weren't speaking their language. Um, when you can speak their language, it it changes everything. So earlier you talked about the fact that. Uh, maybe there are things that you do that don't necessarily scale. And mm. and that's something that I think is really important considering we live in a world where, you know, unicorn startups are, are the ones that everybody wants to start, billionaires on the cover of magazines, and it's, you know, exponential growth at all costs is kind of the the order of the day. Uh, how, do you, you, how do you do things that don't scale? Like what are things in particular, things that come to mind for me are things that I remember hearing people like Chris Gillibo talk about where he said he emailed the first thousand subscribers of, of his newsletter personally. Yep. Uh, so things exactly like that, um, like scheduling one-on-one calls with your customers, um, like using an app like uh, Bonjoro, which re- allows you to record personalized welcome videos to every, you could do it for maybe your email list, your subscribers or your product. Um I know several different uh, companies that have used that very successfully, but it takes a person on your team recording a physical video and, you know, saying, hey, Jennifer, thanks for joining us and using their name and talking to them. And it goes directly to them. So it's it's literally a one to one. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, those things have huge impact. Um, Recording audio messages for every so. Someone might hear Chris's advice and think like, okay, well, that's great. But, you know, I'm, I'm on the go a lot. I, I'm not a great writer. Um, we all have our millions of excuses for doing those things or, or for not doing those things. Um, and so try recording an audio, like a, a voice memo and send it off on your phone. Um, do that for maybe you don't do it for your first thousand, but you do it, you know, every 10th subscriber you get, or, you know, give it, give it some space. So it feels manageable to you, um, or do it for a week and see what happens. Um, find out the, you know, do these little mini experiments and see them as that you don't see them as like, I'm going to do this until X date, or I'm going to, I'm going to do this forever. Um, try things and see what connects with you and your audience, because you have to like doing it in order to keep doing it. And, um, your audience is going to connect in different ways. Like you mentioned, um, you know, the audiobook for your book is, uh, very successful and that's because your audience is podcast listeners. Um, and so they love to listen to consume their content. So your email subscribers might really love getting a audio recording directly from you. Um, and, and maybe even an invite to record an audio back and send you something. Um, so, you know, playing around with the way that you communicate with people, um, can absolutely, uh, have a huge impact and, and, and you can find ways to mix in some scale with those, um, less scalable elements. So, um, one way that I do it with my email list is, my very first email that you get once you subscribe is um, a little bit of 
background info about me. And I ask for the same about you. I share like five random facts about me. Um, and I, I truly want to get to know every person on my email list, but I don't go Chris's route of independently emailing from my Gmail account, every person. Um, I ask it in an automated way. And then when, um, people reply, which they do, uh, I get several replies every single day. And, um, then I reply personally. So I automate it kind of upfront and then I take the manual route, um, for, for replying. Um, and yes, I reply to the emails in my inbox. Mm, wow. So when you go to work for a company, let's say right off the bat, somebody hires you to come in, um, how do you do your just overall analysis for, you know, the framework that you want to apply to, to basically improving the situation? Uh, that they hired you to improve? Yeah. Uh, first, I start with people. I mean, again, it's like it all goes back to human interaction and people. Um, so if they have not done proper customer research and interviews uh, in a in a recent time period, so um, recency in the software world is like three to six months. Um, so if they have not done that recently, then uh, then that's the first place I start. I gather a set of their customers and um, in since the majority of uh, customers I work with are software, um, so SaaS companies or e-commerce companies that have like a subscription focus. Um, so if they have some kind of subscription model, um, it it's very much the same technique. And that is uh, reach out to three different types of customers, and um, but high value. So those customers who have been around for a long time are continuing to grow and use your product. Um, you, I want to talk to customers who had a trial of your product, or maybe had it for, if in the case of e-commerce, maybe had a, a one-time purchase and never subscribed, um, or in the case of software, had a trial but never converted to a paid account. Uh, so I talked to to that second group as well. And then the third group is people who had an account for a while, whether it's a, a software account or a subscription and e-commerce. So had an account for like three to six months and then canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I gather lists of all three of those segments and uh, schedule interviews with them. Um, for people who don't want to do an interview, I'll send them a survey. Um, but I wanted, I want to talk to and hear from the, those people, those categories, because they're, they're crucial pieces of information. So whether they're still a customer or not, I want to hear from them because at one time they were, they were interested in being one. And so what's, uh, you know, what's happening in their business. And, and that's the, the key in, in this process is it's not about the product at all. It's not what feature was missing for you or um, what, what did you end up choosing instead? It's about what was happening in your business when you made this decision? What was happening when you chose to unmake this decision or make a different decision? Um, you know, I, I go into that wanting to learn about the customer and the way that they operate, the way that they think, the way that they shop, um, and who influences them, um, you know, what matters most to them at the end of the day. And, uh, and there's, it's fascinating to me that more companies don't do that. Um, I had a chat with a friend and, uh, she had, she and I were talking about, I said, you know, yeah, it's, it's not very common that especially in the world of e-commerce that, um, people actually talk to their customers about their, the customer's needs and not just the product itself. Mm -hmm. And, and she said, Oh, really? I thought that everyone did that. Um, and I was like, no, or I probably wouldn't have a job. Um, but really, I, it, and I do see more and more people talking about talking to your customers. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, again, the tide is shifting a bit, but I do, um, that's where everything starts for me because um, there isn't enough of it. You can never have enough conversations with your customers. Wow. Uh, well, I think that makes a, a really fitting end to a very thought-provoking and uh, insightful conversation. So I want to finish with my final question, which I know you've heard me ask. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I think it's a curiosity uh, for a particular topic. So 
finding what you're curious about and continuing to hone that curiosity and stay curious. So um, when somebody is a knows themselves as an expert or or calls themselves an expert or a guru or something like that, um, that's uh, that's kind of the end for me. Um, when you, what makes you unmistakable to me is knowing that you're continuing to stay curious and looking for, um, uh, you know, what's, where are the opportunities? How can I do this differently? Um, what am I missing that, that other people are doing? How, how can I apply what other industries are doing in my business? Um, that, that curiosity, that, that interest that kind of, um, child's heart and, and at the core of all of it is what makes someone unmistakable. Well, I think that makes a, a really perfect end to our conversation. Where can people find out more about you, your work, and everything that you're up to? Sure. Uh, my website is a great place to start. It's valgeisler.com. It's G-E-I-S-L-E-R. Uh, that is where you can find uh, uh, my blog where I write about uh, email onboarding and customer experience and retention. Um, and then Twitter is one of my favorite places to hang out. And I am love Val Geisler on Twitter. Uh, so you can find me there and say hi and let me know you listen to the show. I would really appreciate that. Um, love to start a conversation in as human of a way as possible. Hmm. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming. Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. 
This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.